You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, December 17th. And I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor, Paige Van Horn from Denver PBH. Happy holidays. How are you, my friend? Good, buddy. All right. Happy holidays to you, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We are also joined by South Stands contributor, Chad Plummer from Cleveland CP. Happy holidays. What's the word from the 216? Happy Kwanzaa. All good here in the 216, man. All right, buddy. Got a little little snow little snowstorm covering the ground, uh, but other than that, man, it's all good. All right. Weekend okay. around the corner. <laughs> so we have a pretty loaded pod for you guys today. We're going to have a quick peek at Ohio State's all Big Ten selections. They were announced earlier this week. Then we're going to spend a little time on Ohio State's loaded 2021 recruiting class, which was signed, sealed, and delivered on Tuesday. After that, we'll spend the bulk of the pod previewing Ohio State Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game. And finally, we'll give you our thoughts on the ACC and SEC title games, which are also scheduled for this Saturday and should have a huge bearing on Ohio State's playoff fate. Earlier this week, the Big Ten announced its Player of the Year awards and all conference teams as voted on by both the coaches and the media. Not surprisingly, the Buckeyes brought home a lot of hardware this week. Justin Fields is the Graham George Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year and the Greasy Breeze Quarterback of the Year. Wyatt Davis is the Remington Pace Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year. And Sean Wade is the Tatum Woodson Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year. Now on offense, Fields, Davis, and Thayer Mumford were consensus first-team All-Big Ten selections. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Josh Myers were voted to the first team by the coaches, but to the second team by the media. So the media put Indiana's Ty Freifogel and Purdue's David Bell on its first team over Olave and Wilson, which naturally caused a bit of a stir within Buckeye Nation. Finally, Master Teague was a consensus All-Big Ten second team pick, so he was voted second team by both the media and the coaches. On defense, Sean Wade was the only consensus first team All-Big Ten selection. Pete Warner was voted to the first team by the coaches, but only to the third team by the media. That only furthers the discussion around just how good Pete Warner actually is. There seems to be a split on how good he is. Some view him as a star. Others view him as more of a solid contributor. I think we all agree he's solid, he's good, but not surprisingly, the coaches seem to value Warner uh, a bit more than the media, right? Warner doesn't have those sexy tackle for loss, sacks, you know, uh, forced fumbles, INTs. He doesn't have those sexy stats that the media is more apt to vote on. And the coaches likely value Warner beyond those numbers. Personally, I still have no idea how good he actually is. Finally, Tommy Tokiai was a consensus second teamer. Now, probably the biggest snub was defensive tackle Haskell Garrett, who made the coach's third team, but he was only honorable mention by the media. Garrett is by far (laughs) Ohio. Isn't that a joke? I mean, he's by far Ohio State's highest graded defender by pro football focus. He's the only defensive player grading over 90%. And I think most Ohio State fans would tell you he's the runaway defensive MVP for this defense this season not to mention a remarkable comeback story. Now, there were several other Buckeyes who were voted to the third teams and received honorable mention. I invite our listeners to head over to big10.org if they'd like to see those results. So Chad, I want to start with you. Anything in particular stand out to you about these selections? 
Well, I'll be honest with you, I think it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> so <laughs> what I got to say about it, I mean, it's it's a joke. I mean, first of all, Garrett Wilson and getting, you know, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Really? I mean, and then, you know, I this, this Warner thing getting like, you know, third team by the media. Garrett, I mean, that really, that pissed me. That pissed me off. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? That, that right. made me very unhappy. Right. <laughs> I mean, it has nothing to do with, you know, the uh, the headlines over the, the summer and anything to do. That kid balled out, man. He's balled out all season. Right. You know, like, right. I mean, and, and I, I think that's a slap in the face. You're talking um, about uh, you're talking like, about Haskell you know, Garrett uh, or or Garrett Wilson. Yeah, you're talking Haskell Garrett. No, I'm okay. talking, well, I had, I had moved on to to Haskell Garrett. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, all right, I, gotcha. Yeah, I mean that's why I was talking about the headlines and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Right. You know, him getting shot in the face, yeah. all that good stuff. But still, you know, I mean, the kid balled all year yeah, he's long, been great. man. Yeah. I mean, Paige, how about you? So did you, did you say the greasy breeze? quarterback of the year <laughs> that's right. <award. laughs> right okay so like i number one i didn't even know that was a freaking thing <laughs> and number two i get drew Brees. why on god's green earth is is this brian greasy no, or it's is bob. This, i think, no, it's, his I think dad. it's bob greasy it's his dad, uh, okay yeah. okay call okay <laughs> his dad bob. played at purdue his dad. Was, oh, he did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. I was like Brian. The Brian Greasy, Greasy Award. <laughs> I was like furiously trying to like go back and about, yeah. Greasy Dane. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's impressive because I also saw some Jack Tatum thing on the defense. I like. I didn't even know that was a thing, but right. God bless Jack Tatum, right? Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, this isn't you know I like Chad said like th- this whole thing is a joke, but it doesn't. The, the things that, that stood out to me is it, it seemed pretty same for offense, right? I, mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting that uh, our boy Master Teague was second team from both the media and, and, and the, the coaches. coaches. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, uh, they're, do, they're doing something right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peyton Ramsey, you know, third string for quarterbacks from both the coaches and the media. The Northwestern. Yeah. Yep. From Northwestern and from Indiana, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's right. Yeah, he was at Indiana last year. Uh, yeah. He was Michael so, Penix's backup until Penix got hurt, and then he stepped in for Penix and finished out the season for IU. Yeah, so, I mean, IU, clearly the second best team in the Big Ten this year, probably going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I thought that was interesting. And then last thing, like CP said, like like if Alavi and Wilson are not first team on both, then I'll eat my shoe. Like, <laughs> give, give, give me a break. Like both of those guys are going to be studs in the NFL. Right. They're easily first or second round picks. Right. Um, I mean, I you know, I I I kind of think you know, gun to my head, I I, I like Alave even more than Wilson. But uh-huh. I mean, I think it's a shoe in that they're both just going to be incredible players at the next level. So those are like the big things that stood out to me. Right. And and the last thing I will say about it, you know, I I think it is probably challenging, right? Like you can't put every Ohio state player, you know, in, you know, at every position. And I don't watch all the other games. So, you know, half these players, I don't even have any idea who they are, but um, you know, I, it, it seemed, you know, there was obviously probably a snub with Haskell clearly, um, but, oh, you know, those, those are the things that stood out, uh, most to me about the, uh, all big 10, mm. uh, 
I guess what nominees, I guess, what do you even call yeah, them? Yeah. Well, these, yeah, these are the, well, in the, in the case of these are the award winners actually. And then the, these players were actually, you know, voted to the first, second, and third team. So yeah, these are recognition, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. But uh, I, I, you know, honestly, I tell you what, after what Ty Freifrogel did against us in the shoe, 218 yards receiving three touchdowns. I, I don't have a problem with him getting one of those yeah, first team fair. spots. That's I mean, totally he fair. was a baller, man. He he was yeah. he might have been the best player on the field after Justin Fields that day. He was pretty awesome, man. I, I got to tip my hat to him. I haven't seen a ton of Purdue play this year, but I know David Bell is actually a pretty good receiver. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you Alavi and Garrett Wilson, you want to put them first team on both coaches and the media. They certainly would have earned that distinction. I didn't really have a problem with the with Fry Fogel, only because we saw firsthand what a good player he was, man. He lit us up. Yeah, I, not much else for me to add outside of what you guys have already have already contributed. Haskell Garrett, I think, deserved more recognition, but you know, there's only so many of these slots to go around. And and I think at the end of the year, I would not be surprised if his teammates at Ohio State end up voting him like defensive MVP or something. He'll get the recognition uh, he's due at some point. And uh, I think if anything, probably more importantly, as far as he's concerned, he's bumped up that draft stock, I think. And and he stands to make a nice paycheck after his playing days at Ohio State are over. All right. Let's move on to the 2021 recruiting class. The early signing period was this week, Tuesday. The Buckeyes got signatures from all 21 of their commitments, and this class is one hell of a haul featuring 12 of the country's top 100 players, according to 24-7 Sports. It's number two behind only Alabama, and it includes three players, wide receiver Emeka Egbuka, offensive guard Donovan Jackson, and running back Travion Henderson, who are all rated number one in the country at their positions. Now, the top-rated player in the class is defensive end Jack Sawyer out of Pickerington, who 24-7 rates as the number four overall player in the country. Now, Ohio State is still waiting on the country's number three player, defensive end JT Tuamolou. <laughs> I butchered that. But he's the number three player out of Washington. Is that how you say it? Okay. Uh, he's the number three player, a defensive end in the country. And it seems like the Buckeyes have a really good shot at landing him. I think I saw 24-7, they've got a 93% chance of landing JT, and that would actually be a nice addition. But overall, even if they don't land him, really nice haul from Ryan Day and and company with this recruiting class. I'm going to go around the horn and get everyone's impressions, their takeaways of this class. I'm going to get us started. And maybe it's just I can't walk and chew gum at the same time as a Buckeye fan because I've always found it hard to get real excited about recruiting in the middle of a season, especially during championship week. I mean, I've been 100% focused on the Big Ten championship game and Ohio State's playoff prospects. And so I'll probably have more to say about this class during the offseason. But my big takeaway looking at this class is Ohio State has added three more blue chip wide receivers, including the number one receiver in the country in Egbuka. They also added Jaden Ballard and Marvin Harrison Jr., who are top 100 players. Now you add them to a receiver room that already includes Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba, G. Scott Jr. and Mookie Cooper, who were all themselves top 100 players. So you got a very crowded receiver room next season. And if we've learned anything about Ryan Day through two seasons is that he likes to run the ball. He likes to run the ball about 60% of the time. Last year, Ohio State ran the ball 62% of the time. This year, they're running it 61% of the time. And oh, by the way, Day just added the number one running back in the country. And Travion Henderson. 
So my big question, I guess, or what I'm really anxious to see is where are the targets going to come from for all these receivers? And there's, a, there's obviously a good problem to have, but it'll be very interesting to see if they can keep all of those players beyond the spring game. And it'll be very interesting to watch how he'll distribute those touches among the receiver group once the 2021 season starts. Now, if Olave moves on to the NFL, as many expect he will, I think Day might be forced to go back to that six-man rotation at receiver, if for no other reason than to keep all these kids in the program and, and not in the transfer portal. Chad, what was your big takeaway of this recruiting hall for the Buckeyes? The rich keep getting richer. I mean, it's yeah. it's unbelievable what Brian Harline and here. are doing, man. It is unbelievable. Yeah, but, it is. You know, obviously, they're telling these kids, you know, I don't think Day or Hartline, they're the type of guys that's like, you know, trying to puff kids' heads up and feed them bullshit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they're still committing. So yeah. they're going to find ways, I think, to get them the ball. Um, so I'm not worried about him, you know, and following that up and – 2022, you've already got the number one receiver in the country, Caleb Burton, already committed. So, oh I God. mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. So, but we did get a lot of a uh, lot of nice players in the defensive backfield yeah, uh, that did. have committed yeah. in that class, which I'm very stoked about. Um, you know, so you got Jordan Hancock. You he got was a nice guy. oh, I mean, you could go on and on. You go, you know, you got the. Uh, you got Burke, who's an athlete that'll probably end up playing back there, four star out of Arizona. You got Jansen Dunn, the safety, four star out of Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, on and on. You got uh, your, you know, we got an inside linebacker um, in Reed Carico, uh, Carico which mm -hmm. I mentioned that on our text thread. Remember that kid's name because he's going to ball, dude. He's going to be, he's an inside linebacker yeah. and he's going to be something that we've been missing. 6'3", 225 Carrico is out of Ironton, Ohio. He's a top 100 player. Yeah, that's a nice get. And there's a there's talk that uh, Rajon Davis is going to not sign with LSU when it comes down to it. So there is very good uh, talk swirling around that that could be a flip to Ohio State before it's all said and done. Nice. Paige, what were your thoughts looking at that recruiting hall this week? I think he said it well, right? The rich just keep getting richer. Mm -hmm. I mean, the disparity between top 100 players, I think we've got 12 um, we do. in the top 100, and mm -hmm. the rest of the Big Ten got nine combined. That says everything <laughs> you need to know. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, it's sorry, Big Ten, you're you're screwed until 2020, and and, and you know probably. Forever. I mean, I don't know what's stopping this train. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I want to go back to something that you said, Zach. Yeah. And I thought about this before about all the receivers and how you're going to get them all yeah. the balls. What about the guy that's going to throw them the balls? Yeah. I mean, in in 18 months, you're going to have two five star quarterbacks and two four star quarterbacks in the quarterback room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's actually a bigger issue for day. Like totally. I mean, there's no way all those guys are going to stay. No, and by the way, uh, didn't no. NCAA just pass the one year, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to sit out a year. Right. Uh, rule. And so, which is great. I, I think, yeah, well, yeah. absolutely. That's the way it should be. And that in, in fact will only help us. Mm -hmm. However, the fact, I mean, th those guys, there's only one quarterback, right? I mean, you can spread the ball around to <laughs> right. receivers. I think the quarterback situation is just ridiculously, um, awesome and 
you know, I mean, even Day talked about it where he expected what McCord is that that's his name uh-huh. to come in and compete for the job right away next year. Like, yeah, dude. I mean, what are you yeah. going to do? And then you get the kid from Texas. I mean, holy shit, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it really is insane. And, you know, this, uh, you make a good point about the one year transfer rule. And I think that's why a lot of these top prospects are willing to roll the dice and come to Ohio State when there's an already one or two other players, high, highly rated blue chip players at their position in place, because they know that if it doesn't work out, they can spend a year or two, whatever they, they choose under the tutelage of one of the best head coaches for coaching quarterbacks in the country, and then move on somewhere else and play right away, kind of a la, you know, Joe Burrow. Page, it was. It's just, just sorry. The just crazy. It's three five stars. And who was five stars? Stroud, C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, and then Ewers coming in at twenty-two. Miller is the only four star, but he is handpicked and groomed by Day right out of the gate. So you just never know what's going to happen there. But yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. They have a log jam at both of those. It's good. It's good problem to have, man. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's a great problem to have. Yeah, there's a log jam at at both of those positions, quarterback and and receiver. Highly doubt that all those kids are going to, you know, live to see their junior year at Ohio State. We're going to see several of them transfer out, and that's fine. Like with the one year transfer rule. There's going to be a very healthy competition with some great, great talent there, and the cream rises to the crop. Ohio State retains the best players, and then the, you know you you send the you send the other kids on their way and wish them well. And as you say, you just keep that train rolling, right? PVH, you just keep the talent. Yeah, I in. mean, I think it's interesting, like to think about. I mean, these kids know that they're not dumb, right? right? I mean, this is something I've talked to my dad a lot about. Like, why would you go to Ohio State? Like, you're never going to play, especially at the position like quarterback. But I think, you know, obviously they're all super, super um, confident in their ability, mm-hmm. but there's something about day that just says, Hey, you know what? I'll take my chances with this guy. And if it doesn't work, you know, then I, I'll have options, but I think it speaks volumes to, you know, who he is, you know, I mean, they talk about it. Like, I hate that the quarterback whisperer, like right. what the hell does that mean? But there right. might be something there to that. And yeah. man, if you get quarter, I mean, Justin Fields, I mean, you get quarterbacks, I don't care. You know, you can make up for so many other warts on your team. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it, it, it is absolutely phenomenal what he's doing. Right. And I mean, it's lights out right here. Yeah. And what, and what you said page there is like, you know, you got it's like over the last few years, you you read these articles about these, these certain kids, the prima donna is like, oh, I'm not going there. I don't want to like, you know, have to deal. I want, I want to play now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And right. you've got four, five, you know, four, five, six, five star in the receiving room. Yeah. They just want a ball and like they're excited about playing with Brian Harline and Brian Day yeah. and who they got coming in. They don't care about that. They want, they they just did big in golf this competition, which that to me gets just me just. I, I mean, I'm up right now, just running in place, kind of doing a couple of jets. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the one thing that I think maybe the <laughs> average the, the average fan overlooks is, you know, there's a lot of development that takes place behind the scenes during the off season. And if you look at Joe Burrow, for instance, he was, you know, he was an Urban Meyer product, but he he developed and you know, was seasoned over three seasons at Ohio State and then left to go play right away at LSU and look at the career path that he had. And I think that's actually, that's that's not a bad career path to take. And with this one-year transfer rule, 
a lot of these elite players are are a little bit more apt to share a room together. And if you lose the competition in that school, it doesn't mean you lost. It means you still you still picked up valuable skills and tutelage and you and growth, and you can just take it to another program and 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 win there. So I think it's it's kind of a cool evolution and the game has evolved in a really cool way. And I think it's it's much more player friendly. And certainly at a program like Ohio State, it works for them. I mean, we're we're making these changes work very well for us. So that's a really good observation, PBH. So 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 Zachy Boy, you you sent out that cool website about, you know, looking at the recruits. And I went back and I started looking at at other years. And like this is actually absolutely astonishing if you think about it. The 27 Ohio State recruiting class. Number one, Chase Young. This is 2017. Two, 2017. 2017. Yeah. 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 Number one, Chase Young. Number two, Jeff Akuda. Number three, Barrett Brownie. Number four, Sean Wade. Number five, Wyatt Davis. Six, Grimes. I think he transferred. He did. Um, seven is Dobbins, and eight is Josh Myers. Wow. I mean, every one of those kids. I, I, for, I mean, first round, I mean, it's insane what they're doing at Ohio State right now yeah. from player development, not only bringing these kids in. And I think they look at it and they say, you know what, this is something we want to be a part of. And I didn't think it was possible, but I mean, Ryan Day has elevated the recruiting and taken it to a place that I didn't think, you know, beyond what Urban Meyer was doing. And it's astonishing. It's it's utterly astonishing. So the average player rating for the 2021 class is just one thousandth of a point less than the 2017 class. I mean, they're very close. They're basically the the same average player ratings. In 2017, this is according to 24-7 Sports, by the way, for our listeners. The average player rating of the 2017 class, arguably Urban Meyer's best class at Ohio State, 94.59. So 0.9459. The 2021 class is 0.9456. And if we land that that defensive end out of Washington, I think that's going to bring the average rating up higher than what it was in 2017. That's insane. That's insane. So Ryan Day has has right at and possibly exceeded what Urban Meyer did in his best year of recruiting at Ohio State. He's he's taken the torch. Yeah, because yeah, Tumalua is point nine 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 nine. Yeah. So that that'll certainly push Ohio State's average rating up over the 2017 class. And hey, this train keeps rolling. Kudos to Ryan Day. We're in year two now. This isn't a fluke. Right. I mean, you might have been able to say early on that he was riding the the kind of the momentum that that Meyer had established there. But I, in year two, I think this is this is Ryan Day. This is Brian Hartline. This is that staff going out there and getting it done. I, I'm looking at that Egbuka commitment, which which just happened within the last week or so, if I'm not mistaken. He's the top receiver in the country. Ohio State does not need him. <laughs> really, I mean, let's be honest. And you got Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith, and Jig, but G. Scott, Mookie Cooper. You're going to get another year out of Garrett Wilson. You got Jamison Williams in that room. You may or may not get another year out of Chris Olave. We don't know. A lot of people think think that he may move on, but they really don't need a Buka yet. They got him anyway. I mean, that's how they are white hot in, in recruiting right now. It is crazy. Yeah, I never thought they'd get that guy right. Simply yeah. because you know, I mean, and, and who's the kid that's coming the next year, Chad? You said Burton from from Texas, like Caleb Burton. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, and, and but lo and behold, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, he was a lean to Ohio State, but you know, testament to to Heartline on that one for sure. Wow. Well, right, and especially you know, we were obviously a frontrunner for so long, but then like last weekend, he was in Oklahoma throwing you know balls with that what i think is his name caleb williams that 
Oklahoma quarterback commit. So he was up there, like, you know, playing, you know, running routes and all that shit. And everybody's like, oh, he's switching to, to Oklahoma for sure. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I love it. Nope. Beautiful. The rich get richer. I think uh, you put it perfectly there, CP. All right. So we got a pretty big game coming up on Saturday, boys. Number 14, Northwestern against number four, Ohio State. This Saturday, noon Eastern in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. The line is Ohio State minus 20 and a half. The over under, I believe, is up to 59. It might be 58 and a half, 59 in that range. Ohio State is aiming for its fourth straight outright Big Ten title. That would be a school record. And of course, a berth in the college football playoff. Now, there are unsubstantiated rumors at this point that Ohio State is dealing with another COVID outbreak and that at least one prominent offensive starter will miss this game because of COVID. Again, those are just rumors at this point, but those have had a way of coming true this season, unfortunately. Now, we probably won't know until about two hours before kickoff which player or players will be missing. So fingers and toes cross there, knock on wood, boys. Now, as always, Pat Fitzgerald brings his Wildcats into this game. They're very tough, smart, and opportunistic, not unlike the team Ohio State faced two years ago in the 2018 Big Ten Championship game. The strength of this Northwestern team is, as everyone knows, its defense. Pretty much every defensive stat that matters, Northwestern rates very well. Scoring defense, they're second nationally, giving up 14.6 per game. 13th nationally in total defense, 5th nationally in defensive yards per play, 21st nationally both in rushing defense and passing defense. They're ninth nationally in red zone defense. They've only allowed five red zone touchdowns all season. And not surprisingly, kind of the trademark of a Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern team, they don't beat themselves with penalties. They're 15th nationally in penalties, so they don't make a ton of mental mistakes. Now, the heart and soul of the Wildcat defense is a trio of senior linebackers, Patty Fisher, Blake Gallagher, and Chris Bergen. They are Northwestern's top three tacklers in that order. Fisher and Gallagher are sixth and seventh in the Big Ten in tackles. Bergen is 12th, and Gallagher is fourth in the Big Ten in tackles for loss with nine and a half. Now, he plays the weak side linebacker, Gallagher does. Now, by comparison, Pete Warner plays the weak side for us, also a first-team All-Big Ten selection. Well, in his case, he's first-team. Gallagher was a second-team selection. Warner only has two and a half tackles for loss, so Gallagher can really get after it and get after ball carriers in the backfield. He's a good player. Now, the Cats also have a really good secondary. They're rated fourth in the FBS by Pro Football Focus. Junior quarterback Greg Newsom II is probably their best player back there. He looks like an Ohio State corner. Big dude, six foot one, physical, likes to talk, right? Very confident. And he leads the Cats with nine pass breakups. According to Pro Football Focus, opposing quarterbacks are only completing about 40% of the balls they throw at Newsom. Uh, he has not given up a touchdown yet this season. That's going to be a fun matchup watching Newsom go against our, our top receivers. Hopefully, we're going to have both of them in the fold, Olave and Wilson. Should be a fun matchup there. Freshman safety, Brandon Joseph. He's the Big Ten's co-leader in interceptions with five. He's also a really good player back there for them. By the way, Newsom, Joseph, and Patty Fisher, all consensus first team, all Big Ten players. So these dudes can play. And then as I mentioned, Blake Gallagher, he's a consensus second team, all Big Ten players. So really good there in the back seven. 
I, I just love that you have a linebacker whose first name is Patty. Pa- oh, so, yeah. Other than that, which is so Northwestern. I, I think it was funny. I was listening to uh, <laughs> our, our friends over at Buckeye Talk interviewed one of the Northwestern beat writers, and he said they call themselves the Irish law firm. Fisher, Gallagher, and Bergen, all three good, good Catholic Irish boys, no doubt, um, who, who can all play. So Northwestern has a couple weaknesses with this defense that I think are, are worth pointing out. First, there was a really good analysis of the Wildcat defense by Ross Fulton of Buckeye Scoop. I encourage our listeners to go check it out. But Fulton points out Northwestern's base defense is a 4-3, and they play with two deep safeties and a soft four across cover for coverage. So their corners don't play a lot of press coverage. They lay back in coverage a lot. So it kind of has a zone feel to it. And they play that a lot. Now, the one thing they do do because of, the, because of that scheme, they give up a lot of throws underneath. And one thing that they've been willing to live with so far this season is giving up a lot of those out routes. And that's because most Big Ten quarterbacks don't really have the arm strength to complete those. However, Justin Fields that's one of his favorite throws. So that's something to watch there. Northwestern has been willing to live with giving up those throws. The other thing is Northwestern is not very good at generating pressure on opposing quarterbacks. While they're very good in the back seven, you know, arguably the best linebacking core and best secondary in the Big Ten, at least based on the numbers. But pro football focus grades the Northwestern pass rush 114th out of 128 in the FBS. And they don't get home for a lot of sacks, only 10 through seven games. So look, you got a quarterback in Justin Fields, can make a lot of throws. You give him time, you know, and they're going to give up a lot of stuff underneath. You know, you can already start to see where Ohio State may, may really attack this Northwestern defense. Finally, Northwestern defense has been vulnerable to the Q run this year. Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey of Nebraska combined for 150 yards rushing on 21 carries. Uh, against Northwestern in a very tight game that the Wildcats barely won 21 to 13. And in their 29-20 loss to Michigan State, Rocky Lombardi, Rocky Balboa, I think is uh, as Paige calls him, he ran for 65 yards on 10 carries. So Rocky. that's also something to watch because as we've seen over the last two games, Justin Fields has become more and more dangerous as a runner from, from the pocket. So some interesting things to watch. That's the Northwestern defense. I'm going to go real quick on the offense, and then I'm going to go around the horn and get your concernometer scores here, boys. On the offensive side of the ball, very different story for Northwestern. Total offense, they're 100th nationally. Scoring offense, 89th nationally. Offensive yards per play, 112th nationally. Passing offense, 106th nationally. Rushing offense, now before that game with Illinois last week, they were 97th nationally. Then they ran for 411 yards against one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. And of course, we all know what happened in Illinois, right? They fired their head coach. That ended up bringing up Northwestern to 60th in rushing offense. But before that game, they were you know lower half of the country in running the ball. And they're still only averaging about 3.86 yards per carry, even after that big rushing outburst last week. So they're not very good at running the ball. Peyton Ramsey, Paige, you mentioned that he made uh, the third team on both the coaches, third team all conference. Yeah, how? Now I'm I'm actually like, how is that possible? How is that possible? Yeah, seriously, how is that possible? And it might just be a team award, just the fact that Northwestern won the West. Ramsey's the starting quarterback on the West champion, so they just give it to him. But he's 11th in the Big Ten in pass efficiency. He's only completing 59% of his passes. He has nine touchdowns to six INTs. His longest pass play of the season is 33 yards. And he's only averaging 5.8 yards per attempt. Mm -hmm. Now, it is interesting to note, Ramsey is second on the team in rushing attempts. 
because Northwestern does not run the ball very well. So they they he is a pretty good runner, Ramsey. He's an effective runner from the quarterback spot. And, you know, as we know, Ohio State defense has been somewhat vulnerable to the Q run. So that's something to watch. Northwestern does the run game by committee. Sophomore Drake Anderson is their leading rusher. Junior Isaiah Bowser is second on the team in carries, but neither of them is really setting the world on fire. Anderson's averaging about four yards a carry. Bowser's three yards per carry. Last week against Illinois, it was two freshmen, Evan Hall and Cam Porter, who carried the load. They both went over 140 yards rushing against Illinois. I don't know, maybe Northwestern found something in Hall and Porter last week, but on the season, you know, on the whole, not a very explosive run game, not very explosive, uh, you know, throwing the football. I think they rely on their defense, create short fields, shorten the game, you know. So that is the skinny on Northwestern. Chad, I want to start with you. Give me your concernometer score, not your score prediction, just a concernometer score, and tell me why you landed at that score. Zero. <laughs> concernometer is not even moving, it's just hovering. Are you right dead? There in an do, idle do, we need, do we need to send the EMTs over and give you a shock to the heart? Are you dead? <laughs> Wow, zero. Okay. All right, please explain. It's zero, boys. I mean, it just, you know, I'm not worried about this game whatsoever. Won't even get into, you know, things we've been hearing about or whatnot. You know, I think <laughs> I, this is a, the, the spread's what, 20.5, 20 and a half? 20 and a half. I think that's the largest line, the largest spread in a Big Ten title game to date. Right. And I know we'll do predictions later, so I'm not even going to get into that, Z. Okay. I'm just going to leave it hovering at a zero. It's not even moving. It's idle. A zero. Hey, maybe a zero on the concernometer doesn't really need much of an explanation, right? PVH, how about you? Uh, first of all, I mean, just holding my breath that this game goes off, right? Yeah. I mean, just mm-hmm. – and, and, and I think it will. Yeah. Um, and But, you know, again, I, I just want to see him play. So I, I think that's – uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, I, it, and I had a good retort as you talked about like uh, Northwestern overall six and one. Actually, here's a trivia question for you sure. for South Stand contributors, Zach Moore <laughs> and Chad Plummer. How many winning teams has Northwestern played this year? None. Zero would be my guess. One. One. Wow. Iowa, six and two. Oh, Iowa. Yes, of course. That's right. That's their best right? win right so far. So I think, yeah. their opponent's record is 18 and 27. Um, and then you go through all, you know, the, you know, the offensive statistics, right. Which you, you did a great job doing. Um, I, I'm with CP. I mean, I'm going to go up to a one on a concernometer, wow. but this is probably between a zero and a one. Um, only because I think Fitzgerald is a good coach, right? There's a litany of reasons why we roll this team. And the other one is you were, you were walking into just a firestorm with Ryan day and this team and the yapper of Dabo, right. And they're talking (laughs) shit and we didn't get to play Michigan. This, I I expect just a fiery, fiery Buckeye team. All right. I would love that. I got the concernometer, not surprisingly, a little higher than you guys. I'm, I'm the worry wart of the group. I got it at a, I got it at a 5.0, which is in that mildly concern range. And, and the reason I have it there, I, well, I would have it lower if not for these rumors circulating that Ohio State might be down more key personnel on offense because of COVID. I also think Northwestern is greater than the sum of its parts 
and is actually a pretty good football team. So I give them a little credit there. You look at Ohio State's last three appearances in the Big Ten title game. They were, you know, we were in a very close game. It turned out to be a very close game with JT Barrett playing on one leg against Wisconsin in 2017. That was, I believe, a 27-21 Ohio State win. Northwestern, Ohio State pulls away. That was 2018. That was a three-point game early in the fourth quarter. Ohio State pulls away to win comfortably. And then, of course, we remember what happened last year against Wisconsin. We had to fight back from a 21-7 halftime deficit. The only game that was a total laugher was that 2014 game where, you know, 59-0. So these games tend to be a little bit closer than what Ohio State fans expect. Although in two of those games, 2017 and 2019, we did not, we were not healthy at quarterback. We had a banged up GT Barrett in 2017 and a banged up Justin Fields last year in 2019. But I'm going, to, I'm going to stick at a 5.0 only because of this unknown with these rumors about potential guys missing and, and also some respect for Northwestern as a team that's greater than some of its parts. Okay, Chad, I'm going to come back around to you for a score prediction. Go ahead, my friend. 48-3. Ohio State, 48-3. to Wow. Okay. Anything else you want to add? And I'm just – no, not really. I, I, I think uh, like Paige says – I think Day is going to like, you know, he's just going to light this up, man. He's going to light it up like a Christmas tree, if you will, because there's just too many people running their mouths. Yes, we're not playing some amazing, like, stellar competitor on the other side of the field, but we need to, you know, going to throw some style points out there. And I would be surprised if it's not, you know, if Northwestern even scores. Mm -hmm. Paige? Yeah, I'm at 45. 15 45 15 um, okay yeah that's that's some combination of uh i think four field goals and safety i don't <laughs> i don't see them being able to score a touchdown okay uh, uh it's just you know and and it, it so 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 here's the other thing and i i would ask both you guys this question how important is it that we win this game and win it convincingly with style points yeah for the committee chad go ahead I think we win this game and we're in no matter what. You know what I mean? Um, unless some real, real crazy shit happens. You get the voodoo dolls out and start sticking it up with like some <laughs> Florida and Alabama, which I don't think that's going to happen. And I, I pray that it doesn't because really Dan Mullen should get idiot of the year award, like <laughs> two time, like double whammy. Um, but. Now, I don't, you know, I, I don't think we want to go out and win this game, you know, fourteen to six, right? Anything like that. But we need to come out, show what kind, like what kind of offense we have, what kind of de- what our defense is all about, mm-hmm. um, and things of that nature. Um, oh, okay. You know, we- Let me ask you a question: If we win this game fourteen to six, do we still make the playoff? Yes or no? Yes. Paige, what do you think? Oh. I, I think yes. I think it. I think they'll like burn down Indianapolis. But I think yes. But I. I do think. Uh, I do think we need to win this game. I do think we need to win it convincingly. And I think yeah. Ryan Day and the Buckeye and and the, the players know it. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, I would say uh, it, it depends on what happens in that SEC title game because I don't know if you guys noticed, but Florida only dropped one spot in this week's rankings after losing at home to oh an unranked, unranked, undermanned. LSU team, they fell one spot from number six to number seven. And to me, that says the committee's still leaving them there within striking distance. And if they can play well and pull off the upset against Alabama, 
I know we kind of dismissed the doomsday scenario after they lost that game to LSU. And then I saw the playoff rankings come out and they've got, they've got Florida right there in striking distance where a win over Alabama could make things complicated for Ohio State. So in answer to your question, Paige, I agree with you. I think Ohio State needs to win convincingly just in case. Go out there, play your best game and take handle your business. So let me get to my score prediction. I got Ohio State winning this one 38 to 14. Now, I think the Wildcats have some dudes who can play on the defensive side of the ball. I just mentioned them. I think that defense is good enough to kind of keep Northwestern in that game for two plus quarters. I just don't know how Northwestern is going to be able to move the ball with any regularity and score on Ohio State. They, I mean, they can't run the ball. And I don't believe they're, they're good enough throwing the ball with Ramsey to take advantage of Ohio State's issues on the back end. Again, what gives me pause is this question of new COVID positives within the program and who might be missing. But I think a 38 to 14 win would certainly be convincing enough. We're talking about the committee's 14th ranked team. And yeah, they do need to win convincingly just in case Florida pulls a rabbit out of the hat and upsets Alabama. And, you know, look, let's face it, Ohio State doesn't have much of a resume right now. They're going to have a six game resume to impress the committee. And you want to leave very little doubt if you can. Now, I would love it if one of your predictions came to fruition. Chad, I'd love it. I hope you're right again this week. And it is 48 to 3 and Ohio State leaves no doubt the game's over by halftime. I agree with you, Paige. I think Ohio State wants to win convincingly in this one. They definitely want to. I guess the question is, do they need to? I don't I, I don't see any scenario though where Florida gets in. There's just no way, right? I mean, I mean, unless they beat Alabama 80 to nothing, but that's just that's preposterous. There's Florida's out. I just wonder about the teams sitting on the outside looking in. And if you give them any room to to bump Ohio State out in AM mm-hmm. or in, in, in Iowa State, right? I mean, Iowa State's now sitting there, I think it's six. Right. Um, so now you're spreading around, you know, out for com- I mean, and by the way, like just the uproar, it's just hilarious. I must have read 15 articles about how people are so done with the playoff committee yeah. that they want to go back to the BCS, right? Because <laughs> I this the, the only thing that these guys are doing That's is talking outrageous. about the eye test. Well, but you know what? They actually make a decent point about the BCS, right? Because you do you know, factor in the element of like computers and algorithms and stuff right. like that. And and how do you, you guys both touched on it. How does Florida drop one spot by losing at home to a three and five? To a 23 LSU? and a half. Yeah. yeah without I how many both. players? Uh, it's like, unbelievable. Yeah. Right. Like what are they doing? So we've almost like, I don't know, somehow like Frankenstein back into this weird place where these knuckleheads are making arbitrary decisions that, are not based on what everyone else is seeing. It's kind of strange. Yeah. I, I heard Herb Street say on ESPN earlier this week that he feels like the system's broken. It needs to be fixed. You've got 99% of the FBS that knows before they kick off of their first game every season, they have no shot at getting into the playoff. And I, I think he's right about that. And I and that is kind of sad. I mean, you know, we're lucky enough to be Ohio State fans and we're in it every year. We're in it to the end every year. There hasn't been, I don't even remember the last time we weren't in the discussion. 2011, almost 10 years ago when when our, you know, we were 2012, right? When we were serving that, you know, that uh, that bowl ban. But but it must be really, it must be very frustrating for for fans of of teams like 
Cincinnati, Cincinnati right? Uh, or even an Iowa State, or, uh, Indiana, some of these teams that you know are just, you know, Michigan. never. <laughs> they just got, they have no shot and they know they have no shot before the season even starts and they have to adjust their goals. And I'd be open to expanding the playoff field. I've been saying all along, it'd be great to have eight. This would have been a great season to experiment with an eight team playoff. I mean, why the hell not? I just do think it is interesting because we know the SEC always gets the benefit of the doubt with this committee. Florida only drops one spot. To me, that's a sign that they're they're in striking distance there. And if they can make the right impression on Saturday, it might just get them in. And that worries me a Florida? little bit. Florida? Really? I mean, they're sitting there at number seven, right? You're- Dude, it, no way. It's, it's, yeah? It, it's not happening. And, and I think, honestly, this whole thing is all about jockeying to make sure that Cincinnati – who should be at number five or six doesn't get in because yeah, they don't, they're just not a brand. Yeah. Right. And I've said this a thousand times to you guys, right? This is, this is a playoff also, but it's also an entertainment show. Right. Right. And they want eyeballs and they want brands. And, you know, it's, it's great when Cinderella runs through the, the basketball tournament. Right. right? And, you know, and then Marshall shows up or, you know, George Madison makes a run and they make the final four. They do not want that for football. Right. They want big names. They want big brands. And, and I think, I think it's so more so than other years. So transparent this year. I mean, yeah. Cincinnati didn't even play and they, <laughs> Right. I think they've fallen two spots but since they last insane. played. And, and that's unreal. why I think, yeah. you know, these. The- Z, now, now can, can we talk about something real? I know we're, we're approaching the hour mark, but can I bring up something that is very. And it's, as, I, as I sit here, I'm getting more and more worked up about this. Sure. Go ahead. Now, what don't you guys think, Paige and Z, that I mean, what, what is the selection is, is Sunday night, correct? Sunday morning. So it'll be Sunday morning. Well, Sunday morning goal. our time. I think it's going to be like new. I think it's generally at noon Eastern, if I'm not mistaken. The selection okay, show on so Sunday. It's Sunday though. Yeah, that's right. Right. Okay. So Sunday. So when those teams are selected, why is there not a overall football playoff? NCAA protocol, COVID protocol oh, for right. the teams that are in the playoff. Yeah, that's why has that not been discussed? Right, you're you're referring to the, protocol, the Big Ten's yeah. 21 day 21 protocol days. for anyone who who tests positive, they have to sit out for 21 days before they can come back to play. Yeah, and the college exactly. football play, yeah, the playoff has said that they're going to honor each team's conference's COVID protocol. Now, what I read is the Big Ten is reevaluating that. And I believe what Ryan Day said today on his radio show is that they're they're worried about maybe it was Gene Smith, somebody from Ohio State said they're just worried about getting past Northwestern. And they win that okay. game. Then I think you're gonna see some serious politicking from Ohio State to pressure the Big Ten to be more in line with the CDC guidelines there. And why not? I we we've got I understand when they came up with those protocols, there was a certain view of things. Well, we've got new information now. And if the CDC says it doesn't have to be 21 days, there's no reason not to revisit that protocol. I think they will, Chad. And I agree with you, Paige. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I, I have seen Kevin Warren less. <laughs> I, I see him. I see him. I see that guy less than my children who are 18 and 16. So what I really think is going on is that, and, and I do think there's something to these rumors, by the way. And I do think there's something to the fact that Ohio State is not saying anything, by the way. Oh, yeah. And I do think they're done with this bullshit. 
And and I think there's been gamesmanship. Of course there has been mm-hmm. across college football. And I, you know, so so what good does it do you, right? Because you don't have to disclose who tested positive. You don't have to disclose who was in the meeting room with so-and-so then for contract tracing. And I don't I, I think they're just done with this shit. And I think, yeah. yeah, maybe it's Wilson, maybe it's Alave, but what benefit does it do for a high state to say, which they've done before, like, you know, on Thursday night to say, hey, this guy's out or this guy's out or, or what, right. we have this many positives. Just just shut it down. Shut the whole goddamn thing down from an information perspective and screw you. So you don't know. There's no jurisdiction for anybody to go back and say you were not giving, you know, accurate information, right? Like Michigan, right. like, so look at it. So I think the big 10 is absolutely just washed their hands from it. I think a highest, I don't, I don't even think so. So my point of that rant, Van rant was <laughs> this whole 21 day thing, who cares anymore? Yeah. The gloves are off. <clears throat> We're going to make the playoff. And you know, if a guy's sick, a guy is sick and not to, you know, downplay the COVID, right? Because right. it's real. I know a lot of people that have it and they get sick. And so, but if they're not in this whole charade around contract tracing, they're done with it. They're not going to do it anymore. And I wouldn't be surprised if you don't hear one word this point forward about who got it or who didn't. Interesting. So you think that Ohio State, they're done playing, playing along with the Big Ten's protocols and they're going to even if they have players they suspect uh, could be contact tracing absences, they're going to play them anyway? They're going to do what's right for the student athlete. I believe that. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to tell you at right. this point. Yeah. Right. I, I, and again, that's why I said at the end, like I, this is serious stuff. Like in the guise of us caring about college football, right? We, we want these kids to play and stuff. But if somebody got it, okay, then he's got to be out. Right. But I don't think you're going to know who it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to play by the 21-day rule. And I think they're just going to go into this vacuum of no information. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, so Big Ten rules versus ACC rules, STC rules, it's not going to matter anymore. Yeah, well, that, that may very well happen. I, I think there's a very good chance that they're going to take a good look, hard look at the rule. Now, there is one rationale for it, which is Big Ten play has concluded after Saturday. It's over. So it's the postseason. And you, you'd have a justification to overturn or do away with the 21-day rule. I think they're going to look at it. And I think they're going to overturn it. I just think Ohio State's focused on getting through the Big Ten title game. And you know they don't want to get caught looking too far ahead because that's how you get beat in these games. I'm with you, Chad. I, I agree. And I'm with you, Paige. The rule, we're you know in the light of recent information, the CDC has updated their guidelines. There's no reason to cling to this 21-day rule, especially now that Big Ten play has concluded. And Ohio State, provided they win against Northwestern, will be then playing in the postseason and won't be squaring off with any other Big Ten opponents from that point forward. So I think they're going to overturn it. Hey, look, they took one day to change the the six-game requirement for the Big Ten title game, right? Michigan said on Tuesday they couldn't go. The next day, the Big Ten voted to get rid of the rule. So I have a feeling they'll do the same with the 21-day rule after the Big Ten season is over. I think I think everyone's just going to focus on getting through Champions Week. I just think it's an unnecessary thing to do, though. Right. Like why, why, why even say it? 
Oh, who's going to hold him to it? I mean, oh, the well, average yeah. individual has an attention span of 19 seconds. Like no one even cares anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I understand it. But I, every time I like, I, you know, I get another tweet or something out, it's like, oh, big tension is going to be, it's just like, you know, and but why wouldn't they just say it now? Because it's all, I mean, but you're not going to let's well, you know, let's not jinx the Buckeyes. We're not well, gonna no, I mean, there's there, there's the a, there's blowback though. There's there's a lot of blowback when a rule that's changed with the perception is it's being changed for the benefit of Ohio State, right? There yeah, was a lot there, there was a lot yeah. of blowback. So th there's no reason to change it now. Let Champions Week play out. Let let the rest of the Big Ten season come to a conclusion, and then cross that bridge when you get there. I mean, it's a quick you know one hour conference call with whoever needs to make that decision at the Big Ten, and then it's changed, and then we. Can move forward i just think they're waiting so so if a kid is sick and he got he if he got covid in and he is sick then then fine for for the benefit of that kid keep him out but otherwise just stop the nonsense right, right. it's it's like you're self-reporting idiocy at this yeah. point they may they may very well do that i mean i mean look has everyone across the country across the fbs have teams been above board about their COVID numbers? I mean, what are the chances that some teams haven't exactly been, you know, planned yeah. by the rules? That's probably a pretty good bet, right? Right. There and, are and, out and look there at that. it from the flip side, from Michigan's standpoint, like all the speculation and like, wow, they practice. On, it's, you know, and it's, it's a weird year, but I mean, yeah. just stop with the madness. Yeah. I'm tired of it. You guys are tired yeah. of it. I'm so sick of talking about this crap, you know, like I, I'm yes. really looking forward to just, once there's a damn vaccine and you know, we can just start analyzing football again and, and uh, we don't have to act as, you know, amateur epidemiologists, right? I'm so tired of talking about this stuff. All right. Well, let's, let's move on. We got two other awesome games to talk about yes. on Saturday. Let's start with the ACC title game. That's going to happen immediately after the Big Ten title game. That features number three Clemson versus number two Notre Dame. This is a rematch of a great game that happened during the regular season. It's going to be at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. It's a 4 p.m. Eastern kick on ABC. The line is Clemson 10 and a half. I believe that line has steadily climbed since it came out. Uh, is that right, CP? It's come up a bit. I think three or four, three yes, or four points, right? Yeah, it has come up a bit. The over-under yes, is like, 60? Yeah. Okay, good. So it has come up. The over-under is 60. Should be. A, I'm really looking forward to this one. CP, who wins this game? I hate both these teams. You guys know this. Yes, we do. I, very well very documented. Out, <laughs> yes, very outspoken on both of these yes, you football have teams. But I would love to see Notre Dame win the game. Yeah. But they're not going to. Clemson will win the game. I'd take Notre Dame in points, though. Oh, you do? Okay, so you don't think Clemson covers. Okay, so you're expecting another really no. good close game. Okay, great. Paige, yep. how about you? All right, so here's my grand prediction. And this is the best part about the whole thing, right? Because <laughs> Ohio State's sitting there at four. Everyone, like they played five games. How are they at four? We're going to end up three. Yeah. This is how it happens, right. right? We roll Northwestern. 45, 15, whatever I said. Yep, that's what you said. Yep. Clemson, they're going to kick... Uh, I hesitate to say kick the shit out of another game, but I think they beat them. I think they cover, right? Okay. And then I think Bama plays Florida to a fairly close game, but I think actually, I think Bama covers as well. Okay. And so then what happens is nobody on the planet is pining to see Clemson, Notre Dame three. I mean, in the for semis, the love right. of God. Yeah. 
right? I mean, this is not Ali fucking Frazier. Right. No one wants to see this rematch for the third time this year. Right. So there is no way the committee, again, this is an entertainment show. It's not just a playoff, right? Right. We're going to right. three and we're going to play Dabo. Yapper Dabo. I cannot wait. That insufferable fuck. Oh, Lord. I, I've, I've held my tongue not to say the F word so many times, but he is an insufferable prick. And <laughs> he, he is, as you said, Zach, he is our, he is our new nemesis. We yeah. have disposed of Michigan yep. and, and Harbaugh. They're done. Clemson, and you said this on the text, and I thought this earlier this week. Are you right? Like they are our new nemesis, yeah. and everybody wants to see it. And Notre Dame's going to be at four, and they're going to play Bama. All right. Okay. So we got a glimpse from you into the SEC title game. We'll get to that in a second. I agree with you, Paige. I think Clemson gets it done, and I think they cover. I believe this line, this climbing line, is a function of Clemson being whole again and getting all those defensive players back as well, although I don't know that for sure. We certainly know Trevor Lawrence is going to be back in the fold. This is going to be on a neutral field now. It's not going to be in South Bend. I like Clemson as well to cover. I think they win convincingly in that game. Let's move to the SEC title game. Paige, you kind of already went. You think it's going to be a close game, it sounds like. You don't think Bama covers. Now, the line in that game, it's a, it's Bama minus 17. The over-under is 74. This is number one Alabama versus number seven Florida. This is in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It's an 8 p.m. Eastern kick on CBS. Paige, now that you know that line, you think Bama covers or no? I, I think the college football world be very drunk by that point. <laughs> no one's going to care. I will um, be. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, actually, I changed my Yeah, they'll cover. They're going to cover. You like I, Bama. Dude, yeah. Florida's not. Dude, they got beat by LSU. Come yeah. on. And, and Bama looks freaking good. Yeah. And, and, you know, let's go back to Corcoran last year, right? But we wanted both of them. I don't think you want Bama in the semis. No. Nope. really don't. Mm-mm. Yeah, they look good. Yeah. CP, how do you see that game? Yeah. You know, as I said earlier, Dan Mullen is the biggest clown in, in sports <laughs> right now. The guy just, like, talks out, you know, his ass. Um, I don't even know if he knows what he's saying half the time. Like, after that loss, he's like, oh, yeah, we can still give it. You know, whatever. He's a clown. I, you know, I think it's going to be a closer. I think they'll cover the spread. I mean, I think it'll be a two touchdown victory. Um, but that, you know, Bama still covers the spread there. Okay. Um, I agree with Paige's scenario. Um, and I do want to comment that my mother will be very happy um, that Paige did not use the F word because she's like, oh, I thought Paige is such a nice boy. I just never knew he used to use the F word. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, she'll, I, she'll be very happy about that. PBH, I, PBH, you're pretty liberal with the F word on the pod, my friend. I, I don't I don't think you tend to hold back all that much when it comes to that word. I try. Uh, I, I, I try and use the governor. Sorry, sorry Mrs. Plummer. <laughs> I like Bama to roll in this one too. Look, Florida just lost at home to an undermanned LSU team with a first-time starter at quarterback. I just, Alabama's going to—they're going to run over Florida in this game. I like Bama to cover. So then we like the final playoff field, Chad. Let's let's circle back. Actually, Paige, let's circle back to you. I think you've already said it, right? You like your playoff field. Then you got Bama at the one seed. Yep. You've got Clemson two, Ohio State three, Notre Dame four. Do I have that right? You got it right. All right. What do you think, Chad? Is that how you see the field as well? Yeah. I mean, really, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think Clemson is going to win the game. And that's really the only scenario 
there is, barring some crazy, you know, upset, which I don't believe is going to happen. But yeah, that's how I see it. Ohio State three. I like that we get uh, Davo out of the gate, and we got plenty of time to uh, to heal for for Bama in the national championship. All right. Okay. Well, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I agree with you on the field, so I, I don't need to elaborate much more on that. I think that's how I see it all playing out. Hey, boys, uh, great effort tonight. We're at about an hour, 10 minutes. So I'm going to let you both go. Thanks so much for making the time. Let's plan to reconvene on Sunday after the playoff pairings are announced. And I'll speak with you guys then. Yes. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.